Welcome to Beyond Storybrooke. I'm Trina. And I'm Addie. And we're here to discuss episode two of Once Upon a Time called The Price, which aired October 4th, 2015. All right, let's start with ratings. So this episode, I gave an eight out of 10 Furies. I give this a nine out of 10 Savior Dresses. And then Chris gives it eight out of 10 Rose Petals. Good Justina one. gives it an eight out of 10 Stone Sneezies. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Okay, so this episode starts off with Dark Swan. And we left off with Dark Swan in the first episode. And this episode, we see more of her and kind of understand why and how she became that way. So I want to start with the opening scene where Dopey crosses the line, which I thought was funny that he got turned into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, we we're kind of we don't know what Dark Swan has been doing, but we know that you know there's a lot of bad because here you have the seven dwarves wanting to leave Storybrooke, and you have the Charmings trying to stop them. And mm-hmm. I thought it was funny that he crossed the line and <laughs> he got turned into a tree. <laughs> What's the symbolism behind it? Well, I think, you know, it, it kind of goes into, and we'll talk about later, that Merlin was turned into a tree. Oh, oh. So. Good connection. I did yeah. not catch that until now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I caught that. I was like, what? yeah, why a tree? And then when they said Merlin was trapped in that tree, I thought, oh, I, I see. Okay, so quickly, you know, last season, season four, they never uh, resolved that whole barrier protection wall that's around that's surrounding um, Storybrooke, Storybrook. right? So is this something that Dark One poses on to Storybrooke? I, I don't know. Maybe refresh my mind. Like, how did that uh, you know invisible wall appear there? We don't know yet. We don't know what. Why? Wait, what invisible wall? The wall that Dopey crossed. That's always. I think that's always been there. Anytime, remember, nobody can ever cross that line. That's just something. That's that just yeah. Storybrook from, from the yeah from the get go because Storybrook I don't think is on the map oh, that's at right. all. Okay, right, okay. so that was always that's how it always has been. See what happens. <laughs> you get a little rusty. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm a little rusty actually. Okay, let's move on. Okay, so we see the dark one, and there's so many things to talk about this episode, and I think uh, maybe we should go kind of back a little bit. Okay. Let's go into Camelot. That's where everybody's at. And we have, uh, let's say, the storybook gang, as Chris puts it, right? <laughs> uh, go to Camelot in search of Merlin. And the reason why they're there is that King Arthur says, you know, there's a prophecy. Merlin says you'd be coming and you can, I guess, get him out of the tree. And they say the Savior's the only one who can get him out of the tree. And we have Regina coming in. And saying that she's the savior, stopping Emma from doing that. So quickly, um, that's where we were left off in, se- in episode one of this season. We're left with like, wait, what happened in Camelot that suddenly, you know, Miss Swan is, yeah. is so angry and, and she's the dark one. What happened in those past six weeks? And, this, and that's what this episode's yeah. all about. Yeah, we kind of backtrack and understand why. And she... Uh, I, it's it's so funny and true to kind of being the dark one. It's like, well, you guys figure it out. <laughs> I erased your memories for a reason. Figure it out. And in Storybrooke, Emma or Dark Swan, I'll call her, kind of forewarns Regina that what you need is a savior. There's something bigger coming, and 
you need a savior and you don't have one. Now you, you just mentioned something that I want to touch on. Have you noticed that they're calling her Miss Swan now that she's yeah. a dark one, which is kind of ironic because when you think of Swan, you think of white, right? Yeah. But she's really the dark one. She's, I would think they would call her just Emma, but they would call her Emma as she was normally. But now that she's become the dark one, she's referred to Swan. And we've even captured that. I, I realized that in the first episode that we recorded, uh, and even right now as we're talking, we're referring to the evil, quote unquote, of Emma as Miss Swan. Yeah, I, I like that you picked that up. And it's funny how they kind of do a play on words or not really words, names mm-hmm. on you know, if they want to get to Emma and, and they say, you're good, you're still in there. They'll say Emma. Yeah. And then when it's, you know, when she's being bad. They refer to they her refer as to Swan. Swan. Yeah. Now, I think this whole Regina is the savior thing. I'm going to just jump right into that. Yeah. There's a kind of a, a lot of little implications there. Okay. And going back into Camelot. So Regina steps up to the plate saying she's the savior so that Emma doesn't have to use her power. Do you think like tempted to use her power? Or tempted to. I think at that point, at this point, what I'm guessing is all of them don't want her to use her power in fear that she'll open up the dark powers. That she really gets consumed by the darkness. She gets consumed by it. But I like the irony. There's a lot of ironic situations in this episode, really. And one of them is that, you know, they, Regina steps up to the plate, but in the end, she asked her to use her power. Yeah. I think that, again, they kind of get cornered into a situation. So then they kind of say, like, well, let's let's go ahead and do this. But um, I think taking it there is kind of like straight to the point. But just to take it back, <laughs> you said that this show, this episode in particular, they kind of do have such a lot of very ironic situations going on. But the writers do a good job of making fun of it. Like when the time that Regina has the dagger and she's like, oh. you know, let me like stop talking. <laughs> and she actually does <laughs> stop, stop talking. talking. She like, just shut up and she's just like, Ugh. right. It, and, you know, there's that, that funny part. And then you have when Regina's supposed to get ready for um, the ball or the ceremony that's going on. She instantly, you know, says like, okay, well, here's my gown. <laughs> and then it's the dark one kind of gown. It's yeah. like the evil queen looking type of thing. <laughs> And then she has to snap her fingers again, and then she looks more peaceful. Her hair's down. It's not it's so yeah. stiff and thick. Um, so they do a really good job of making fun of themselves. But going back to, to that, you do see Regina as taking that line of like, oh, I'm the savior. Like, it's me. It's my turn. Yeah. It's my turn to really make this happen. And then at the same time, she's struggling with other people to take her seriously. Yeah, that's and that you see that throughout the whole episode. Yeah. She wants to be the savior, the one to save everybody. But, you know, throughout the episode at the beginning, they don't really trust that she's the one to save her. Yeah. I feel like she deserves it. I mean, oh yeah. We've been discussing this part of Regina for quite some time, and it's exciting to see that she's excited about it. She had a lot of doubt uh in season 3, season 4, she really struggled with it. Um but now she's She's kind of really taken Emma's spot where Emma was kind of like struggling with, I don't want to be a part of Storybrooke. The first chance I get, I'm getting out of here, taking my kid with me. And then she finally realizes like, this is my family. She finally settles in and says, she accepts the fact that she is a savior. 
that's kind of, that's Regina right now. She accepts that she's the savior, but then she doubts herself. And then she gets upset when people aren't taking her seriously either. So it's like, what do you want from me? It's like screaming at the sky. Like, is this supposed to happen or not? But she gives an effort to make it happen in Camelot and in Storybrooke. Right. And in Camelot though, which I kind of want to go back a little bit. I, I like that Merlin is stuck in a tree and the only way to save him is the savior. Yet the savior, the real savior that we know, which is Emma, is also the dark one. Hmm. So to me, that that's another ironic situation. Has that changed, though? Because I don't think Regina actually got the chance to even give it a shot. No, and we didn't get to see that. And I don't know. I, they'll probably Maybe they'll show it later on. I'm not sure. But I just feel like they've changed like who the savior is. Or they're yeah. trying to. They're yeah. trying. I don't, I don't want to say they're trying to, but it's kind of like that shift. As yeah. as Emma's becoming the dark one, is Regina going to rise to be the savior? Why can't Regina be the savior? Now, now that I'm thinking about it as a viewer, I I see Regina more the savior than anybody else. Well, technically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because again, that, that I guess that's my my desired in, in like hardcore question that I have right now as a viewer is, Yes, we've have we have been told since day one. Regina is the evil queen. She's the evil and she's mean. She's she's dark and she has these troubled thoughts because she just wants to be loved. She wants to have the attention that she always felt she deserves, yet she struggles with that because she has been let down so many times. Okay. And then we have Emma Swan, who we've always been told this is the savior. She doesn't know it. She doesn't want to accept it. She finally accepts it. Oh, but wait, but she needs to be the savior. So she sacrifices herself and becomes the dark one. I feel that that's like, why can't we accept that? Okay. Emma Swan is the dark one right now. The tree that has Merlin, maybe the only chance they all have, and this is probably where the storyline is going to be is, oh, they're going to go try to free um, Emma Swan because she's the only one who can free Merlin to resolve this whole situation, right? But in reality, it's Regina the whole time. Their, their answer has been in front of their faces the whole time. And, you know, I'm going to jump way at, at the end of this episode. They finally accept that and see that. Like, okay, she is good. She is a savior and she's here. She, we, she has our support. She has the Charmings. She has, um, what was? Uh, Grumpy. King Arthur. King Arthur, a part Grumpy, of it too. Yeah. And Grumpy. So everybody is now supporting her. So I, I just feel like the answer is in front of our faces and not even the characters know it yet. I just feel like we just need to accept that. That's I a think, long rant, but that's... that's <laughs> <laughs> I think, though, it, it's a different situation because technically Emma's the savior because she was born of true love, right? Or true light, yeah, whatever. Okay. Regina was not. So it's kind of a question of Emma being born into it and Regina really wanting it. Okay. Which I agree with you. She deserves to be the savior. And she has shown throughout certain situations and especially at the end, which I think is funny, Grumpy all of a sudden, you know, changes his mind. Well, I think you are the only one that could save us. Obviously, she's the most powerful one there aside from Zelina. Which, where the heck was she in this episode? I don't know. Nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. So you're wondering, where is she? But besides Zelina, Regina's probably the best chance they got. So why not entrust 
it's a somebody who, yeah, was once evil, but now is on a road to redemption. So I think, um, you know, you, I, you kind of touched on it. Regina is struggling to get buy-in from everybody that she mm-hmm. could be the one to save them. She already wants to be the one. She's already stepped up to the plate, so to say, so to speak, in Camelot. But and, and she didn't she feel happy for her? Like when, when they're having that ceremony and she's all dressed and she, you know, yeah. she was really open with the Charmings to say, well, I don't know how to dance. And it was that an was awkward a moment. Scene. That it was, was awkward. It was a cute, funny, awkward scene because it's like, well, your dad wanted to dance with your daughter, not necessarily his wife, <laughs> a.k.a. her. Yeah. <laughs> that is, was funny. Yeah. I, you know, they had some good, they have some good writing, like yeah. all the little quips and lines is funny. But I, I, I really felt genuinely happy for that character to see her in the light that she's always desired to be in. Right. She's had that attention of the village before, but as the evil queen. Right. Under the fear that she might hurt them. And here she is at Camelot, beautifully dressed. She's happy. She's excited. She's a little nervous because she doesn't know how to dance and all that stuff. But she puts herself out there. And I was just really excited to see that side of Regina. So, you know, back in Camelot, what kind of noticed that Emma is kind of taken aback that she's claiming to be the savior. Like, hmm. Yeah. Kind like, of what see- are you doing in my yeah, what territory? Are you, what are you doing? My- I'm the one. Like, I am the savior. I think that's the darkness. It's yeah. in inflicting jealousy. It's starting to come through. Right. So everything that's dark, jealousy, anger, frustration, these are the emotions that are going to come up as the dark one. And this is a, a, the perfect scene in this episode is when Emma's walking through the town and then you see Rumple pop up and he's like, what's wrong? You feel a little lonely? <laughs> like these are the feelings and emotions you're going to go through as the dark one. It's in it. This is the struggle. Now we see uh, Emma come into this type of struggle of like, oh, this is what it is to be the dark one. I am not, although I know my family loves me, I can't be near them and I miss them. So what does what does a person at that level turn to when they have no other choice? They start to give into the jealousy. They start to give into the frustration. They start to give in. In this case, Emma starts to give in slightly into the power of the dark one. And I I like what you mentioned too because she's kind of across the street watching everybody yeah. in that scene. And at that point, I'm thinking, oh, Emma's still in you. You still got yeah. that light in you. And but. It's not much left, you know. Oh, it's being it's, it's rocky right it's now. It's starting to it's starting to turn. And like you see, who else better than her rumple conscience, <laughs> you know, t- turning her and saying, "Hey, hey, you know, there's only one way to or, you know, you can turn to the dark side. Come on, that's where you belong. You know you want it. You like the power." Like after she had healed Robin, you can cut, you know, you they kind of show her like shaking. Mm-hmm. And turn a little bit because it's starting to overcome her and feel her. And she had to leave the room because she got scared and she didn't want people to see how she was feeling, really. She just said, oh, I need to go lay down. But then the dark one the, the, that's possessing her just shows up and says, you like that, didn't you? Yeah. Like you, you're getting the taste every single time that she gets a taste of the dark one's power. She likes it. And that's a struggling point for her. It's like, well, I actually liked how that felt, but I should, I know emotion, uh, 
not emotionally because her emotions are getting taken over, but mentally she knows that she's not supposed to like it, but she's giving into it. And when, and yeah. when she gives into it, you can see it in her character when she, um, you kind of feel bad for him. Hook, Hook tries to give her, you know, Hoping. the uh, true love's kiss. And he, she, he goes to her, surrenders, you know, he's really there for her at the, I, I don't know. I just feel like he's brave to be so close to her when she is so powerful at this moment. But he quickly realizes like, man, it's not her anymore. Like he's starting to see that. And he's willing. He's told Belle, like, listen, I'm, if I've waited this long to just fight against the dark one, I'm willing to wait this out for my loved one to save her. And then right. Belle says something so powerful. She says something like, it's easier to hate the dark one than to love them. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, we totally understand because we saw her yeah. go through so much pain. It's so perfect that they're together chatting it up because yeah. they're both, they. Belle has, is obviously the only one that knows what it feels like to love a dark one. So who else for a hook to turn to? Yeah. And I, it's kind of, I don't want to say presumptuous, but that it's he goes to try to do the true love's kiss. And you know it's not going to be that simple. <laughs> Let me show this one. Let me I just she just needs Real quickly, my lips. Yeah. Real quickly. I know. We're true love. Let's let's get this over with. And that didn't work. No. So now it's a, a struggle for him and a struggle for everybody else. And I like the ending scene where where they have that. I always love these montages or you know when they end it and you have Rumple talking over it and you know the only thing about the only difference between you and everybody else, he's telling pretty much Emma or you and past dark ones is that you've got family. You've got all these connections trying to help you, all these loved ones trying to save you. And you can get rid of that by one doing one thing. Yeah. Again, we, we brought this up in episode one on our, on our on our last episode. That's what makes her different, but it makes it even more challenging. Yeah. Absolutely. And you think that she she kind of does hint when they're back in Storybrooke that you guys did this to me. That's the anger, though. Remember, yeah. Rumpel was like that all the time. Oh, that's true. He would always hold it to them that you did this to me. And he held that anger when it came to the... Uh, again, my, my I'm so rusty on this. But he held a lot of anger towards the person who would humiliate him in front of the village and his kid. And that's what kept him going. And anybody that did him wrong, he held on to these little movements. Regina herself, who has never been the dark one, but she holds on to these little moments in time that made her feel less of who she is. And here you're seeing that through Emma. Emma has always been the person to uh, find a, a reason to forgive and move on. And we're not seeing that anymore. But don't you think that she is partly right? Because if she hadn't used her magic let's just say, to save Robin, she wouldn't have have felt that. And that scene too, where he's, he's telling her, and he's, I love that scene because she's talking to Rumple, and they're like, what are you doing? Save yeah, him. They can't I see like him. I like that right? scene too. And he's like, you know, magic comes with a price. We all forgot that. Right? We magic all forgot comes, that. <laughs> every time the Dark One uses magic, it comes with a price. She even said, okay, I'll sacrifice myself. Yeah. So maybe in saving him, they put her in that position. They put her in where that she position. had no choice. She knows that she's the savior, so she's gonna go ahead against, not against her will, but like, okay, well, there is no choice, so it might as well be me. 
Um, and, and I have to touch on this. Like, how many times are we we supposed to see people save Robin? <laughs> Robin or Robin's loved ones or Robin's, I know, isn't that you know, funny? Sancha. Like, really, like, along with the whole erasing people's memory, I'm getting really annoyed with the whole Robin so story. So you want Robin to just die? No, I'm just joking. Not necessarily. No, I he just feel... He doesn't have to die and come back is what you're saying. I feel like he's always a point like a plot twist in a story that makes yeah. it complicated and it's um and this situation <laughs> I don't feel definitely like he's was. all that to be <laughs> I understand because we want to see Regina happy, right? Mm-hmm. We want her to see be be in love with somebody and she's found that in Robin. But it's like come on. I don't know. I, I would I would I was thinking that they would probably that should have been a different character in a different light. Not necessarily Robin. I don't know. <laughs> That's my own beef with that. <laughs> so did the price that Emma have to pay in saving Robin is to having that little piece of the darkness consume her. That's what I'm saying. And I think that's where she partly blames them and says, you guys did this to me. Yeah. And, you know, the like whose price was it to pay for her to save? And I think Rumpel said it. It's not your price to pay. It's Regina's price to pay if you're going to use that magic. And she's like, no, I'll sacrifice myself. And that that's what Belle was telling Regina. Oh, with the fury. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we didn't get it until uh, until we saw the ending. Right. The fury had to come back and, and get payment, which was But Robin. even Belle knew, like, this is your price to pay. Like, what yeah. you, what's going on here? Like, you know that, Regina. Stop trying to find loopholes. You have... That's why I liked Belle. She... she no matter Book how smart. gullible she can be sometimes or how um, she kind of puts her heart on her sleeve a lot, but she also knows the truth. Yeah. She knows the truth. She knows, like, stop messing with the game and get it over with. Do what's right. Even though it hurts, you have to do what's right. Which she, Regina in the end was willing to do, mm-hmm. but then you had everybody else connect and a Obviously, the, they're not it, the price. That it they united need. the brokenness and the troublesome that they were going through. So happy ending for Regina <laughs> for now. Oh, so funny things. Not funny, but a couple of things that I wanted to mention real quick, too. When they're in Camelot and Henry pulls out the iPod <laughs> with the girl. That's so funny. And that's the, and you mentioned this. This is the first time they played like modern music. music. Any lyrical stuff. like It's always been classical, scenic. Nice yeah, no composed words, music, yeah. and then you have um, because he's his, this is Henry's love interest now that we're yeah, being introduced. Finally, to. right? Like, how old is he though? Is he in high school? I think so. I feel like he's. <laughs> I see, still see him as a little, a little boy. boy. Yeah. He's so well. He's so tall. But. Yeah, yeah. I, I see them trying to hide his true age when it comes to height. How they film him, same like you, you know what they would do with you know Grumpy and, and the dwarves. They film them a certain way so they look smaller. Mm-hmm. They use that kind of the same tactic when they're always filming Henry, Henry. next to his parents or something. They always kind of put the Angle camera it. higher or something like that. Yeah. But here we have, how did you feel about that? Like, do you think it's too soon or do you think it's like it's about time that they should start? Well, you know, he's at that age, right? So I yeah. think it is about time. And I think previous seasons, they kind of hinted. That really? he's going to have, a, or like spoilers or articles. Some people posted on Facebook, I think, oh, okay. where, will Henry have a love interest? Yeah. And here here we have it. Something too is, I, well, I found it funny. Nobody questioned their clothes in Camelot. I think we kind of just mentioned this 
or we may have talked about in other seasons too, that how come nobody mentions the clothing? Yeah, like Camelot just kind of accepts like, oh, oh you yeah, have yeah, jeans, you have a collar, and here I am oh, lugging <laughs> around armor. this like 20, 50 pound clothes. Don't mind me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just walk out of your office, Regina, without even realizing that there's a huge culture shock here. All right. All right. So let's go into the feedback. So the first feedback is from Justina. I'm loving this season so far. I wasn't sure how I would feel about Camelot, but I love it. Jennifer Morrison is so awesome as the Dark Swan. On the first episode, I was wondering if we got the flashback to indicate that this was the first time Emma did something wrong when she was just old enough to know the difference. Hmm. Because Emma said she was sorry, she took the candy. It also introduced us to Merlin and this concept of doing the wrong thing, but for the right reasons. I agree with Chris Tipton that if Excalibur is made whole, there may be no hope for Emma. The evil might be too strong. Oh, so you mentioned that. And I kind of want to touch on that. I didn't mention this in in our discussion, but I had kind of had a theory and maybe I'd be proven wrong as I read everybody's feedback, but mm-hmm. um, that if the Excalibur is made whole, that could go either way. It'll either get rid of the Dark One or... What power does get, it possess yeah. when it becomes complete? Right. And who and in whose hands? Is there a difference be- between in whose hands it would be? Because oh. at the end of the season, at the end of the show, you see Emma or Dark Swan try to pull it out so she can make it whole. And... And Rumpel kind of lose that if it's made whole, she'll be completely dark and nobody can stop her. That kind of makes sense. Because if, if you inflict yourself with that dagger, you become the dark one. So what is it to say when you connect the dagger to its rest of its belonging? Oh, that's now, a good point. Now, would that change, though, if it's in, say, King Arthur's hands? Yeah. Right? Because mm. it's supposed to be with King Arthur made whole. And that's you see that little, you see that scene, too, at the round table. Where he wants to make it whole. Mm-hmm. All right, so back to Justina. I also think Eliana Harris will get her wish. Since many people's power was used to fight the Fury, I think it will take everyone to save Emma, not just one person. Ah, good theory. We'll have to read hers. Yeah. My opinion of what Chris said about the writers in validating season one rules of magic. Camelot is different, is a different realm. It is possible that the rules are different. I give Dark Swan 8 out of 10 snow, stone sneezes. Oh, that was the first episode. And I give and I give the price 9 out of 10 tacos for trees. Oh. <laughs> Have a magical week. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Justina, for sharing and posting that on Facebook. And Justina, thank you so much. Uh, I should have mentioned this in episode one. But thank you for the beautiful blog post that you put up on Golden Sparrow Media. Yes. Um, I like that she puts a poll in, mm-hmm. in the blog post. I went ahead and voted I'm not going to say the results yet. Um, maybe I'll bring it all the next episode uh, because it's our first time mentioning it on the show. But thank you. Thank you once again for taking the time to write the blog post, giving us your feedback. We did miss your voice this time, but this is it's just awesome to see you back. Yes. Thank you. All right. Let's dive into Eliana's. Really enjoyed it. The ending Dark One monologue was haunting but powerful. The pull of the family we so desperately to protect the friendships that make it possible to forget who we used to be, the magic that threatened to undo our most evil things, the love that refuses to give up on us. We can't escape the reach of the light. That's what I mentioned with the whole montage. That, you know, that scene is absolutely awesome. And that's pretty much Rumpel kind of, or, you know, the dark one trying to consume Emma and say, you know what? The only way that this can happen is that you get rid of all that. 
Yeah. All right. Elena goes on. Ooh, interesting. Leaving Storybook across the town line makes you trapped in a tree like Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Love Regina Sess. You're lucky you're not locked in Granny's f- freezer. I did want to mention that too. It was funny that Regina put Zelina in check while they were at the ball or in the castle. And because she was going to, you know, I guess she was going to try to escape or told her to, you know, take this thing off me or else she'll say something. And then she kind of like choked her out, like, you know, kind of like, with you know, grasped her, put her hand in a fist and said, you better not say anything and was pretty much choking her out. All right. And then it goes on. How the hell are we going to give a tree a taco? (laughs) That was for Dopey. Oh. (laughs) He tried to feed him. Emma's place. Nice place, but it was empty. You can absolutely tell Jennifer is having a lot of fun in this new role. Yeah, definitely. I love that Snow and Charming taught Regina how to dance and then questioned her evil queen dress choice. <laughs> love that Snow got to experience the ball with Emma and they both look stunning. Yeah, that was pretty cool, I thought, too. Because, I mean, Emma would never really experience a, a true ball because we don't really have balls anymore. <laughs> right. Aha, charming giving Henry girl advice. You're from another land. You're mysterious. Violet and Henry bonding over music on his iPod. (laughs) The entire ball scene was lovely. Very Disney movie-esque. The dark swan and Regina scene was excellent. Really great acting. I loved how everyone banded together with Regina to stop the fury. I hope it's just a group effort in saving the town and Emma, not just one person. The promo for next week looks heartbreaking. Yeah, so she brings up a good point, and Justina touched on it too. It might not take one person. It's got to take everybody to save her, which I think is understandable being that she was the savior turning into this powerful dark one. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Eliana, once again. Thank you. And now for Chris. Chris. All right. Chris writes, I felt this was a pretty average episode. Had some good moments, but pretty slow in a lot of places. But alas, my top five. Number five. Henry and Violet. I love this. Henry finally has a love interest other than Cinnabon. Adorbs. I wonder if their memories might not be gone. They just need something to jog them. As Violet said, she felt like she heard that song before. I do feel like she took seeing such an alien piece of technology. If the, I did feel like she took seeing such an alien piece of technology a little too calmy. Also, we need a ship name for them. Violet Heart, anyone? <laughs> You're right. She did kind of look at that iPod and stuck it in her ear like it was nothing. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> they just Not, they, I mean, at that point, I don't think they really had electricity, did they? No. So that was pretty funny. Good point. All right. Number four, the Fury. I'm not educated at all on Arthurian legend, but I thought the Fury is from Greek mythology. Maybe y'all can correct me on this. It also reminded me a lot of the shadow from Neverland. I was extremely underwhelmed and with the resolution to the Fury. They didn't explain at all how they defeated it. Yeah, I it's like they kind of went over that. Like how they defeated the Fury. I mean, it was as simple as let's all kind of hold hands and you you, get, you can't take just me. You got to take everybody. But their payment is only the one person. So I can see that. And then he's right. It did remind me of the shadows from Neverland, the Fury. Mm, that's true. Not our first time seeing that. No, not that. Not not at all. Number three, the new curse. Yawn, another curse. <laughs> I believe there's a new effect though to leaving the town since they turned into tree. Uh, since they turn into a tree, and Merlin was in a tree, maybe whoever put Merlin in that tree has something to do with this curse. 
Maybe it wasn't Emma at all that cursed them back to Storybrooke. If it was, who knew she had a thing for trees? <laughs> yeah, it is pr- kind of funny. <laughs> I'd also like to know how Emma cursed everyone to Storybrooke, if in fact it was her. That's kind of a good point. She kind of takes credit for it, but we don't really know if she did. Maybe she didn't. If she just did it without needing to use all ingredients, it invalidates all of season one, basically. What could she have possibly sacrificed that she loves most? It's clearly Hook right now, and he's just fine. Or maybe it's not Hook that she loves most. (laughs) All right, number two, King Arthur. I'm really digging this character. Having him and other people from Camelot show up in Storybrooke was awesome. I do wonder if this curse pulled all of Camelot to Storybrooke. I suspect Arthur isn't as benevolent as we think, especially with him spying on them with the necklace. But I thought that was the the other guy, not necessarily King Arthur, using that necklace to spy on spy on them on season one. I don't think. I th- yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I wonder. All right, number one. Emma, Hook, and Regina. I loved Hook in this episode. I'm very pleased he resisted Emma's advances. It's a shock to me that Emma actually enjoys being the dark one now and she feels it's who she is. I found it so hilarious Regina controlling Emma with the dagger. (laughs) It seems so campy. It reminded me of the movie Ella Enchanted where Ella had no choice but to obey whatever command someone gave her. The moment Emma and Snow shared in Camelot, which reminds me, Lady Mary Margaret... When has she been called this in the Enchanted Forest? Makes it all the more devastating that Emma has embraced the darkness. Their relationship had come so far from the end of season four. So I have to wonder why everyone was freaking out about Regina needing to see a doctor. (laughs) She can heal herself with a wave of her hand. That is true and funny. Regina looked amazing in her ball gown. Possibly my favorite look yet on her. I find the idea that Emma healing Robin having the price of life ridiculous. How many times have we seen people healed through magic and it never cost a life? I feel like this was just a cheap plot device to make Regina be seen as a savior. Ah, good point. Seeing Emma start to turn gold was awesome. I really hope we end up seeing her fully gold. I like the ending. I wonder if the Dark One reuniting Excalibur and the dagger makes the Dark One all-powerful and kills everyone they love so there's nothing to bring them back. This is how the light is snuffed out. I didn't like this episode quite as much as the premiere, simply because of the ridiculous Fury resolution. Which is true. That was an easy resolution. Kind of just, like he, like Chris said, it was a way for everybody to kind of say, you know what, Regina, I think is the one to save us all. It was a bonding moment. It was a bonding moment. And that's it for the feedback. So thank you, everybody, once again, for uh, posting all your feedback on our Beyond Storybook page on Facebook. And for sending him in via email. So I think that wraps it up for uh, this week. Yeah. I think that was a fun episode. Eager to see what's going to happen in the next one. It does look a little emotional, but that can always just be the trailer, right? (laughs) It's probably uh, pretty epic of what we're going to watch next uh, episode. Um, But thank you so much for taking the time to tune in here on Beyond Storybook. Once again, if you'd like to have any links to the show notes, or the Facebook group. Just go to beyondstorybrook.com. All of our links and information is there. And thanks for listening. <laughs>